Good morning and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Larry Kay and I'll be the host of the presentation this morning. Today is Sunday, November 5th, 2023. Uh, let me give you the share ID numbers for Friday, November 3rd for the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. That number is 20,802. That's 20802. And for the 10 a.m. meeting on Friday the 3rd, 20,803. That's 20803. This morning, A Vision for You presents Spiritual Principles, Time to Show Up Different. So our speaker is going to offer, uh, she's going to do a broad sweep of the steps and development of the spiritual principles and, and, and really how they profoundly uh, impact her life today. So looking forward to that. You know, the, the difference between a problem eater and an alcoholic eater is that when, when the food is taken away from the problem eater, guess what? The problem disappears, but, but not so with us. When, when, the, when the alcoholic food is taken away from the alcoholic eater, the compulsive overeater, the problem is just beginning. It just begins. And what we learn is that these are manifestations of being blocked off spiritually, whether we're eating or not. And, and they're basically caused by self-centered fear, among other things, among other common defects of character, you know, that block us off from accessing power. And the big book tells us, it tells us emphatically, on page 62 actually, that selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles. But what I need to remember is that when, of course, the, 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 the other side of the coin there is that when the spiritual malady is overcome, well, then naturally we're going to straighten out mentally and physically, and that's on page 64. And that's why if we just stop eating, you know, we all know a diet. If we just stop eating and don't grow spiritually through, you know, taking these prescribed affirmative actions for, for a lifetime, our inner life gets worse because we really haven't dealt with the root problem yet. And, and for me, it just, it just baffled me because I knew there was something more going on than an eating problem. And, and when I walked into OA, that's when I heard someone, not many people, but I heard someone tell me something very profound that has stuck with me, and you've heard it too, perhaps. And they said that my eating problem was merely a symptom. It, it, it wasn't the core problem. It was a symptom of the problem. And that just startled me, you know, to learn that food was not the problem. They said that, that what we do in OA, once we've taken our last bite, in other words, we put the food down, trusting and putting the food down, very uncomfortable to do. And we put that when we take our last bite of our alcoholic food, we then use the 12 steps of the recovery program to find a very different way to live. You know, a, a way to live that's sufficiently better than, than the way we lived before so that we don't have to go back to the food and the food behaviors because they were doing something for us. That's all we could see. Those food and food behaviors were doing something for us and we couldn't see what they were doing to us. If we don't find another way to live, getting down to causes and conditions and all the prescribed actions that we're looking at. See, we're going to go back to the food. They, 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 they told us that in the book. We're going to go back to the food. And why? Because we don't know how to live without it. 
I don't know if I ever have been confronted with a greater truth than that. You know, those those forced periods of sobriety before I came into OA, and even those forced periods of sobriety uh, for many of us in OA were, were pretty tough periods. But I listened to those OA fellows who, who worked the steps, and although they stopped eating their alcoholic foods, their lives were not over because I thought my life would be over. Their lives were just beginning, really. And the text tells us, it says, above everything, I must be rid of this selfishness. I must or it kills me. So what does that mean? You know, do you see the connection between this sentence and dying an alcoholic death, whether you're dying it mentally, physically, or spiritually? If the selfishness does not go, it'll create a condition within us called the spiritual malady. And that, that is so terribly uncomfortable that at some point in time, my mind is going to remember something that will treat that uncomfortability. It's called food, right? It's called my alcoholic foods. And I will pick up that alcoholic food, and I will thereby activate a phenomenon called craving. So this is at the root of my spiritual problem, my selfishness, my self-centeredness. It disconnects me from the source of all power. And one of the things that I had to finally discover was um, I do not have the power to be what it is I'd like to be. No matter how much I wish to be that way, I don't have the needed power. And the conflict that arises as a result of having, you know, the greatest intentions, the grandest intentions to live, but the utter inability to live up to those intentions, that creates more discomfort than I can bear. And the needed power, again, was not there. And so the compulsive overeater has no choice when confronted with that internal conflict. I mean, ultimately, you have, you know, ultimately you have to eat. I, I, I'm, I'm biologically and mentally mandated to eat. You know, and if my life is lived in such a way that I can't stand it and I don't like the truth about who I am, um, then I have to have some kind of solution for that. And the solution was simply to eat. It was, it was absolutely necessary to pick up that first bite. There was a mandate to do that. And, and the alcoholic mind was just a predisposition to eating. So there's where the insanity was. It was already there. What I wanted was oblivion. That, uh, that's where the dis-ease of untreated alcoholism takes us. So unless I can experience an entire psychic change, a spiritual experience, a spiritual awakening, a personality change. These are all synonymous. They mean the same thing. There's little hope that I'm ever going to recover. The reason we eat alcoholically is because we can't stand living sober. It, it hurts too much. It, it's too confusing. When I'm filled with self, there's nothing but suffering. And in the final analysis, there must be spiritual principles by which I can live so that I can show up in a different way. Now, joining us this morning to speak about this different way and about some of the principles and the steps is Kelly S. from Oklahoma. If you're looking up Kelly, I'm just telling you right now, it's K-E-L-L-E-Y, because um, there's an E right there, K-E-L-L-E-Y, if you're looking for her. And Kelly's been around. Kelly's a, a dedicated member of Overeaters Anonymous. She's committed to the practice and teaching of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions as a way of life. 
So with gratitude, uh, please join me in welcoming Kelly S. to the line this morning. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, guys. This is Kelly S., Recovered Compulsive Eater in Lemic in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And Larry, thank you for that beautiful opening. Um, I mean, you pretty much wrapped up my talk. <laughs> so, I mean, that was beautiful. Thank <laughs> you so much. Um, yeah, so before I uh, really get started on, on the topic, I, uh, I want to qualify. I also want to say that, um, you know, I have to remind myself all the time going into this that um, this is this is my story, but it's God's story. And, and I have to remember that, that my sponsor and one of my beautiful mentors always says when I get nervous, which is a lot, <laughs> that just remember, make God the hero of my story. So, you know, my higher power is God. It's an easier word to use. So that's my conception, and that's the word I'm going to be using today. But this talk, I have to remind myself, is um, is for the newcomer, or most importantly, for my experience, for that relapser who keeps going back, wondering why? Why do I keep going back? You know, because I've been in these rooms for 40 years, four zero, because you couldn't understand that. 40, all right, and uh, been abstinent and recovered now for just a little over a year. So. Um, for those of you who thought that it couldn't happen for you, it can. Anyway, so my story is not really any different from anybody else's. I always think I'm so totally unique, right? But um, I really feel like, you know, that my feelings of feeling different from and apart from the soonest. Um, like a lot of people, you know, I wasn't a fat child. I was big. I'm 5'10", and I wear size women's 12 shoe. I'm a woman, and so like, even as a child, I've always compared myself as a little girl. I was always not good enough, you know, not small enough, not thin enough, um, not pretty enough, even before the food came in. Um, and I remember those feelings way sooner than the food came in, um, which to me is that spiritual malady, but who would have thought it when you're what, you know, a kid, right? So, you know, I um, turned to food, you know, and, and, uh, it's probably middle school started putting on weight. And then like everybody else, let's wrap this part up. You know, I went on every freaking diet you could think of, you know, diet pills, uh, pain ways, did hypnosis, um, all the crazy fad diets. And diets work, you guys. We all know they work, right? I always lost the weight. Um, and then I had arrived, and so I was good. And I would go back to it because I didn't really see that um, I had an eating problem. And um, I just had a weight problem. Well, you know, as my disease progressed – my weight kept coming back higher and higher and higher. And, um, you know, I am a hundred pounder also majority of my life. I've been a hundred pounder, but in high school, um, watched a movie about the horrors of anorexia and thought that was a great idea. So I started binging and purging when I was 18 years old as a way to manage my weight, which didn't really manage it very well. Cause to tell you the truth, I got 125 pounds overweight, binging and purging five and six times a day. Um, easily could have been a 600 pounder for sure. But, um, you know, so my mother is an AA. She's got 45 years of sobriety. Thank you, God. And she took me to my first meeting when I was 16 in a church basement with a bunch of fat old ladies. And I'm like, oh, hell no. Right. So I left. Um, when I was 20, I did go back um, because I was binging and I was purging and I was thinner than I've ever been. I was 20 pounds underweight and I couldn't get out of my sweats and I couldn't go to school. I couldn't function. And I knew that was a problem. So I remember going into OA, and unlike Larry, when he said he heard that um, food wasn't a problem, I don't know what I heard, but it took me until about 10 years ago to really get that message. 
uh, first time I heard that was on Vision for You. Somebody said, food's been the solution. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Food and eating has been my problem. Um, so, you know, we hear the message we're supposed to hear, I guess, when we're supposed to hear it. I don't know, but I spent years in this room. You know, I, I had many big books. I had all the stuff that, you know, but I just did not hear that message. And that's just my story. And so, you know, I came in because I had no place else to go, right? I knew binging, purging, and not functioning was not normal, so I stayed. And here's the thing, grateful today, the one thing I never did, I didn't leave. I didn't leave, right? And, um, and I'm so grateful for that because a miracle is certainly not going to happen if you're the real compulsive eater like me. Um, it doesn't, I've not had it happen for me outside of these rooms. Um, you know, so I stuck around, and, you know, I've always known that I um, wanted, I needed, I didn't want, a weighed, a disciplined, measured kind of food plan. You know, I, I've always kind of seen that, that I, my stopper's broken. I have alcoholic foods and behaviors for sure. And so I'd get on these little, um, you know, different programs in OA and where I'd weigh and measure, and I'd lose my weight. And I've done that two and three times. I've lost over 100 pounds. And, you know, and I'd arrived, right? And I was leading and doing all these great things and uh, never made a year, never made it a year. And I'd always pick back up and I'd go back out and I just never understood it. And then, um, you know, I, I've, uh, I started hearing about Vision for You when it first came out in 2000, I don't know, 10, whatever it was, the first year, somebody told me about it and I started listening to it. And, um, and that's when I started hearing people say, you know, recovered. And I was like, like a lot of people, wait, you can't say that. That's like sacrilegious, right? You can't say recovered. But then, of course, I've learned, and if you're hearing that for the first time, you will hear that it is in the big book. It's a promise, you know, that we will be recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Um, never cured, but I, I can become recovered. So I um, started listening to Vision for You and heard a whole new message right out of the big book. And I remember hearing them say, you know, that, um, you know, you just need to follow the instructions in the big book. And I'm like, well, I'm there's not really instructions in the big book. I mean, I've been around for whatever, 30 years. There's not instructions. I mean, I've worked these steps out of the pamphlet and I have like several big books. They're falling apart. Everything in there is underlined and everything. But the truth was, guys, I'd never read it from the beginning through, you know, like you're supposed to and follow instructions. But the only reason I kept listening is I was in the food and I listened obsessively. There was just one meeting at that time. Every single day, I never missed it. And i got to tell you guys something. Listening to meetings every single day does not get you the recovery. But I will tell you, it keeps you in the place so that when you become willing um, to do the work, that you're hearing the message. So please, don't leave. Um, but so I listened obsessively. I didn't miss a meeting. And I started hearing this. And I started, you know, reading the big book out of there. And I was like, wow. Well, two years of that. Two years. And I literally would be binging driving because I was commuting at the time and I would be binging. I would stop and get food and listen to vision for you as I was driving. But you know what? Um, that's my story. So, you know, two years into listening, I finally reached out to somebody and uh, asked them to be my sponsor. And um, I became abstinent and I did become recovered. And I, for the first time in 30 years, I had a year of abstinence and I worked this program out of the book and I followed the directions. And I had a life that um, beyond my wildest dreams. And then I had two years, and then I had three years. And then, I mean, 
you know, I never consciously thought like Bill, I had arrived, but pretty much did, you know, and we hear that thing about, you know, that the gifts of our recovery start to take away our recovery and all the things that I preached about, like, oh, I don't want this stuff to be checklist. So, you know, it's like, don't, don't just check them off. And, you know, the, you know, all the stuff that I preached all this time, you know, <clears throat> because I, uh, I wasn't going to see the truth. Right. And so I tell people, okay, I had four to five years, what the hell, four to five years of recovered abstinence before I relapsed. What does that mean? Well, that's a, a good question because, you know, when you are dishonest, it's real easy to start to not see the truth. And so I started getting away from all these spiritual principles. And what does that mean? You know, for me, I have alcoholic foods, yes, but I am a huge behavior person and I can't eat impulsively. And um, I heard someone say yesterday, my sponsor, impulsivity leads to, leads to compulsivity. And I love that because that's what happens. Um, and so I do weigh measured food, right? Because my stopper's broken. I, I'm a quantity person. And so I know that's where I, I um, commit my food daily. And so I was doing that. However, you know, I was um, eating all the bullshit excuses people talk about abstinent food. I'm like, um, yeah, right. Well, I was doing that, you know. Um, it's just a little here, a little there. It's a fuel of this, whatever. And the problem wasn't the extra vegetables or the extra whatever. It was the dishonesty around it. You know, sitting in a way to measure food and say I'm eating this, four ounces, but I'm not. I'm eating something else. And I'm being dishonest, and I know this. Oh, my God, I'm being dishonest. I'm not eating my way to measure food. Okay, I'm going to get right back on. I'm going to get right back on. I'm like, I'm telling anybody. I get right back on for a few weeks, and I'd be good. I'm fine. I've got this, okay? I'm fine. All right, so I'm sponsoring. Well, okay, so you think, right? I've got two people checking in. It had actually been two years since I took anybody through the steps. I had people checking in, telling me their food, giving me their night review. That's sponsoring, right? Okay, that's, I mean, I'm doing service, right? But actually, the book never even talks about sponsoring. It talks about intensive work with others. But you know, I don't know about you guys, but working with newcomers, taking people through the steps, that's a lot of work. Who's got time for that? I've got a busy life, right? So in the meantime, you know, I'm somebody, right? I'm moderating on vision for you. I'm leading workshops. You know, oh, wait, my food's getting a little sloppy. I mean, but it's just abstinence food. It's okay. Well, maybe I, no, no, I'm okay. It's good. I don't have to tell anybody. I'll get right back on. I get right back on. And in the meantime, this is getting sloppier and sloppier and sloppier, right? And my life is getting crazier. And I always tell people, my head starts to feel whirly inside. I'm feeling whirly. I'm uh, one of my things that, you know, I like to tell people is um, I, I live, I know most of us do, it tells us in the big book in pages 60 to 63, right? And I get to be that actor trying to run the show. I'm back in the director's chair. And I always say, God's going, Kelly, get out of my chair. Well, I didn't care. I was in God's chair a lot. And I was whirly and I was getting crazier. And, but I can't tell anybody, you know, and this is the crazy part. Like I've heard so many people recently sharing the same thing that we get into this thing of, you know, all these service things I think I'm doing. And I can't tell people because I can't let you guys down. I, I mean, I'm the story of hope, right? I mean, I had like, I'm, I've been in these rooms for 30 years of relapsing. I finally, I finally arrived and you guys need me to be absent. In the meantime, I'm dying. I'm lying. I'm getting disconnected. I'm getting disconnected from God. I'm getting disconnected from you guys, from my friends, from myself. And that's what gets me back to the food is I'm blocked now. I have nothing else. I have, that's, that's my solution. That was when I finally started understanding I, that food has been my solution because I don't know how to do life, right? And I get back into self-will every time. 
And so I, the dishonesty was the hugest thing for me is not telling the truth about everything. You know, I also wouldn't share 10 steps as much because I wanted you guys to think I was weller. You know, I want to be weller than you think I am. I, I want to call you and tell you about how I've been acting and behaving or thinking because you're like, oh, my God, I thought Kelly was more recovered than that, right? And so in the meantime, my it, almost a form of idolatry is caring more about what other people think about me than my own recovery. And so I'm, I'm, I'm closed off from the spirit. And the book makes it clear over and over that, that the solution is going to be this power, right? Not only am I powerless over food, I'm powerless over everything in my life. And so really, to be honest with you, the best thing that happened to me was that um, I ended up binging and purging for an entire day. You know, we moved in this house. My wife and I bought this house about six years ago, and I remember thinking, I'll never have to binge and purge in this house again. I'm abstinent. I'm recovered. I'll never have to binge and purge. Well, guess what? The disease doesn't give a shit what you commit to, right? It doesn't, doesn't care. And it looks for that way to sneak in. And so I'm binging and purging in a home that I thought I'd never have to. And, you know, I had to leave twice and go buy food because I didn't have, I don't have food like that, right? And it was awful, awful. Guess what? You can't lie about that kind of behavior. And so, you know, gratefully, I started hearing about a workshop that, um, a couple of women was, were putting on, and, um, and it's not any new message. The message is here in the big book, and it's here in Vision for You, and it's here in a lot of places. But for whatever reason, sometimes we hear it from different people, and all of a sudden the lights come on just a little brighter. And I've been knowing, you know, that it talks about, you know, we hear it in Vision that, the, uh, that God is the solution. Our higher power is the solution, right? The power. But I heard it, and I think there was something about this meeting was on Zoom, and these women's eyes were lighting up with this truth, right? That they were saying that we, it's not about power we, or desire, that we all have this desire to stop eating. I desire to have a different life, but I lack the power. You know, I kept always looking for the better sponsor, the better food plan, the better meeting. If I listen to all these meetings, if I go to this workshop, if I go, if I go to this, you know, um, retreat, um, and, and I don't know about you guys, but I've had some really great sponsors. You know, that's not the solution. It's, it's going to be this higher power, right? And I just didn't understand any of that. And so I started hearing that message finally, you know. And so, you know, I reached out to this woman and asked her to be my sponsor. And, you know, one of the first things she said to me was, um, you know, Kelly, God's going to have to be your BFF. I mean, this is the thing. This is what this program's all about, right? So not only she was um, telling me that she wanted me to spend 30 minutes of prayer and meditation, however that looks, right? You don't even have to believe in God to do meditation. You know, you just spend time. There's plenty of meditation apps out there that don't even mention God. But it, it's like I had to have a, a place to start, right? And so I had to spend 30 minutes to connect with God because, you know, if this program's all about God, how am I going to build this relationship if I'm not hanging out with God, right? I don't get close to my friends if I don't hang out with my friends. So I had to do this 30 minutes. But then I also, I want to tell you guys about this real quick. I'd heard that that was kind of a requirement for working with this sponsor. And so before I ever called her, I thought, well, I'll just do that. If I just start doing 30 minutes with God every day, then I'll be okay. And this is before I got honest about everything. Well, that alone doesn't fix it. There's a whole thing about principles, honesty, other people, I don't know what this whole thing is, we, the WE Fellowship, but apparently it's important. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you that. So if you're thinking, oh, well, I'll just do the 30-minute God time, that'll do it. I mean, it's important, but it's just part of the whole picture. So anyway, 
you know, I would do this thing, 30 minutes with God, hang out with God. All right, God, see you tomorrow morning, right? No, my sponsor's like, no, God has to be your BFF all day long, right? And so <clears throat> this was a thing that, you know, I'm doing the steps with her, and we're going through the steps. And, you know, we're doing six and seven, which is a whole new concept of, uh, of a way to work these steps with her. And, you know, eight and nine, we're kind of going through that. And I was just talking to her, and I, this is just something that I will never, ever forget, because my sponsor is just this gentle spirit soul. And I'm talking to her, and I said something about making amends to my kids um, who are adult children, and how I've, I made some beautiful amends to them the first time through um, in that one recovered absent period. But it was kind of the same stuff. And she said, you know, Kelly, you got to just quit saying you're sorry. People don't want to hear you're sorry. They want to see the change. Kelly, something's got to change. You've got to change. And she said it in a way that was like, oh, my God. Like, I think she means it. Like, I think she's serious. Like, oh, my God, she does mean it. And she meant it. And, you know, I started thinking, it really is about that, you know. And I, and right after that, you know, it's funny, we start to hear all these messages. And, you know, thanks to COVID and Zoom, I am now um, on a lot of these open AA forum things. And I, and I listen to open AA speakers a lot. And, um, and I follow certain ones. And right after my sponsor had said that, you know, I heard this speaker um, who's got 37 years that I love. And he said, you know, people ask me all the time, why are there just, you know, one paragraph on six and seven. You know, why is that? And he's like, oh, do this step and move on. He's like, no, you know why? He says, I think it's because that's what the whole book's about. The whole book is about the change. Six and seven are character defects, you know, turning them over to God. And now we're working all these steps so that we can change and show up different. That's what this is all about. We're living by spiritual principles and we're going to start showing up different, right? First and foremost, doctor's opinion tells me I have to put the food down. I can't be drunk. I can't be a little bit drunk. And that was the part I was missing, too. I can't work the steps to get abstinent. It makes it clear in doctor's opinion. So now I'm putting the food down. That's like a given. The food is down. And now I have to get busy. And it's not just checking off the list. It's not just doing these things. It's because here's the acceptance for me. I had to realize it's a way of life. I mean, the book teaches me how to live. The book's not teaching me how to not eat. It's teaching me how to live. I mean, if you think about it in the 12 steps, it's only the first half of step one that even mentions the word food. The rest of it is all about our inability to do life, our relationships, showing up different. That's what it's all about. So the book tells me it's about how to live. You know, Bill's story on page 15, it's a design for living. And there's a solution. It says, you know, on page 28, it's, a, it's, you know, a way of life, or if you prefer, a design for living. So, I mean, it, that's the solution. There's a solution. So it's a way of life. It's not a program. I mean, we have a program of action, right? But that's to support this new way of life. And that was the thing, you know, I kept trying to fit my program in. I don't have time for this. I don't have, well, I have to accept that this is how I'm going to be living today. And, you know, one of the things, and I talk about it a lot, <clears throat> that, has been huge for me. It's on page 19 and there's a solution. We feel that elimination of our drinking or our eating is but a beginning. A much more important demonstration of our principles lies before us in our respective homes, occupations, 
and affairs. So how am I showing up different, right? How am I showing up, you know? And, and here's the thing. This is the thing I wanted to go back to with about my, um, my sponsor with Step 6 and 7, which to me has just been a game changer. So I want to relate it to kind of the food thing. So with 6 and 7, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, we can't just, you know, um, make our defects go away, right? So that's always kind of the controversy there. Um, but you can't work on your defects. You can't work on your defects. Well, guess what? I can work on my behavior, right? So just like my food, God gives me neutrality. But God's not going to just zap that neutrality. I have to come up with a food plan, right? I have to decide what my abstinent foods are, my abstinent behaviors. For me, I've gotten a nutritionist. For me, I have a weigh and, me- I weigh and measure. I commit my food. I send it to my sponsor. I, go make- I make sure I'm grocery shopping, get what I need. You know, I have a part in my abstinence. Now, the neutrality, the peace around food is going to come from God. But I have to do my part, right? So six and seven, you know, about the change, right? So I make a list of my defects. I see these defects, right? I'm going to ask God to help change. But I have, a, I have to come up with a behavior plan, right? You know, how am I going to show up? These relationship ideals we talk about. You know, I have relationship ideals for, you know, um, my kids, my wife, my parents. You know, how, I want to show, how do I want to show up as a daughter? How do I want to show up as a mom, as a nana? You know, and, and these are things that, you know, then I ask God to help me. God's going to change my heart, right? But I have a part, and, and I really want to emphasize that because it talks about um, in step three in the AA 12 and 12. This has always been huge for me, right? Because it gets confusing. It's like, okay, so it's, it's not self-reliance. We need God-reliance. So is God going to do it all? I've just got to sit here and wait for God? No. And it tells us here, um, they have become persuaded, and rightly so, that many problems besides alcohol will not yield to a headlong assault powered by the individual alone. But now it appears there are certain things which only the individual can do all by himself. And in the light of his own circumstances, he needs to develop the quality of willingness. When he acquires willingness, he is the only one who can make the decision to exert himself. Trying to do this is an act of his own will. This is a great part. All of the 12 steps require sustained and personal exertion to conform to their principles, and so we trust in God's will. And I think about that all the time. All of the 12 steps require sustained and personal exertion. You know, it talks about we're going to be trudging this road of happy destiny, and I know I'm such a, uh, you know, I like to dramatize everything, and I'm like trudging, and I think of these like military people in the mud and the sludge, and oh my God, that's what we're doing? And then somebody said to me, or somebody shared the other day a definition that trudge was walking with purpose. Walking with purpose. That's now how I have to live my life, right? That I'm going to have sustained and personal exertion to conform to these principles. So I have a part in all of this. You know, they say, you know, um, you know, that when I turn to God, God will do the turning. And I just have to remember that, you know, that when I do the, when I do the work, God will work on me. And that was the thing. And I heard somebody share one time on the line, you know, that old thing. I, I never know how to quote it, but like, you know, uh, continue to um, pray, but row to shore. I'm like, whoa, who the hell wants to row? You know, I'm looking for a current, you know. But it's like I have to remind myself that, that this, this, uh, this path is not an easy path. And I remember the first time I talked to my sponsor, she's like, you know, I've, I've realized, Kelly, that my life is a life of work and service. And I get it because, 
you know, my disease is a lot of work. I mean, I shared with you that, that day in relapse. That was so much work. It kicked my butt, right? And I say it all the time. This disease is hard, and there's a lot of stuff in my, in my recovery that's hard. I have to choose my hard, right? But, and I also say there's a lot of um, promises that we get by working this program. But we also can get promises in the disease. I can work hard on that disease, and I'm going to get more depressed. I'm going to get more weight issues. I'm going to get more problems with relationships. But in my program, I'm going to get a new way of life, right? I'm going to have a healthy body. I'm going to have neutrality with food. I'm going to have this relationship with others. I'm going to have this connection with God that I'm finally going to know how to finally do life, right? You know, I was that person. I was always the cyclone, the guy that always came out. Like, I never thought this disease affected other people. I didn't see how it was a spiritual malady. I truly, truly believed I just had a food and weight problem. And first, if I could get the food under control, well, then if I could get the weight under control, if I could get my eating under control, and none of that was doing it. And I remember, like, seriously, I'm like, and I, to this day, I just want to be honest with you, I still sometimes in that cyclone, that cyclone guy going, wait, what, what I say, wait, what I do, I don't get it. Like, I'm still so blocked, you know, which is why we are walking with purpose instead of trudging this path together, because I need help to get unblocked, Right. But that was me. I was always living in 60 to 63, not seeing how I was stepping on the, fel- the toes of those fellows and they were retaliating. I remember truly believing it didn't affect my family. And I remember one time my wife saying to me, sometimes it seems like you don't even like me. And I remember thinking, what the, oh my God, she sounds like, um, you know, the chapter, I always still call it Dr. Alcoholic Addict, but the acceptance chapter, because his wife starts saying that to him you don't like me, you don't love me, and pretty soon you're like, he's like, you're right, I don't, you know, but I remember hearing her say that, I'm like, oh my God, just like out of the big book, I'm like, how could she think that, right, and I just think, you know, I don't even realize what I'm doing, and and how I'm impacting people, and so when my sponsor says, okay, got to change, something's got to change, so, you know, what does that mean for me, it's like, I got to have, I got to start, you know, this part, and there's a solution, I love it, let me find it. I have everything booked for you. Um, it's on page 27. You know, this is the thing that we're seeking. And I did not know that because I'm still seeking a good food plan. You know, I'm still seeking a good sponsor. And it says, you know, that the doctor's talking about here, that these are people that he found as chronic, that are hopeless. But the only people he's ever seen that he has an experience are these people that have had what he called a vital spiritual experience. And he says, to me, these occurrences are phenomena. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements, ideas, emotions, attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of, life, of the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side, and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. I mean, that's what we're seeking. I mean, that's what the doctor's saying. That's been his only experience, right? And so that was the thing I was missing. You know, for so many years, even even in abstinence, I still did not understand that this is about a way of life. And I'm hearing that message so much now. You know, in um, on page 42, it talks about, um, then they outlined the spiritual answer. The spiritual answer, not the food plan, not the diet not a better meeting, the spiritual answer and program of action. So this is a program of action, which a hundred of them had followed successfully. Though I'd been only a nominal churchman, the proposals were not intellectually hard to swallow. 
you know, I just think this is a spiritual answer and it's a program of action, right? And down here it says, I love this. Quite as important was the discovery that spiritual principles would solve all my problems, right? All my problems. So, wait, what? When did that get put in the book, right? Because I just kept thinking, I just need to lose weight, get this food thing under control, and it's going to be spiritual principles are going to solve all my problems. What a promise, right? So how do I get to that? I got to do this program of action, and it's going to be, you know, it's uh, entirely sensible, but it's drastic. It meant I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out the window, which is not easy. So it tells me right here, it's not going to be easy. You know, that this change, all these different things, getting into this connection with God is not going to be easy, right? But it says, um, let me see, on, uh, it, to me, it's almost a warning on 44. It says, we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. Or else what? I'm going to go back. And guess what? I did because I didn't have that connection, right? And if I'm not living by principles, I'm going to be disconnected. And, you know, when Larry was sharing at the beginning, he talked so much about that, that all those things that we get blocked, right? So what I realize is it's the dishonesty blocks me from God, right? Not living with integrity, not having compassion, kindness, tolerance, all of those things. And those things do not come easy for me. I just have to tell you guys, you know? And so I have to um, really lean into my fellows and, uh, and this work because it, it's like, I, like that's, love and tolerance is our code. I don't want that to be our code because that does not come easy for me, right? You know, I, 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 and it's just, I just, I, I have to ask people to help me all the time. You know, um, one of the things it talks about and we agnostics also, I love this. Um, it's on, let me see, page 50. To me, this is a promise that for me that, it ha- that has come true. It says, here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed, they flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude towards that power and do certain simple things, there has been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. So if I don't do this work, this is what, here's the deal. The big book is not the solution. The 12 steps are not the solution. God is the solution. This power is the solution. How do I get to this power? I follow the instructions in this big book. I follow the steps, right? I heard a speaker say this, and I love it, that we work the steps. Then we live the steps. Then we live life. And I'm living life with God, with you guys, with others around me, as it says, because I don't want to go back. And if I don't, this spiritual malady, this book promised me, you know, it says step one, we're powerless over food. Step one is saying we're going to eat again if I don't get this connection with power. And the only way I know to do it is to follow the instructions in the book. So I can't worship the book and the steps. I have to get this connection with God. That's what it's really going to come down to, Right. And if I, if I don't understand and have this acceptance of this new way of life, then I'm going to get blocked again. If I still think it's about, well, I'm abstinent, I'm abstinent, you know, I'm abstinent. Yeah, but how am I showing up today? How am I showing up with my, you know, I, I love the thing that says, 
I'm sorry, I can't hear what you're saying. Your actions are speaking so loud, right? And that was me. And, um, and so, like, I wanted to share with you guys, like, you know, I am abstinent, and I'm gratefully abstinent, and I commit my food daily. But today, it's like, you know, I'll find myself getting back into things and behaviors, and I go to work, and I'm bitching, and I'm complaining, and I'm justified, right? And, you know, one of the things that, you know, we, it tells us we can't handle justified anger. You know, that's another part of being a distinct entity. Doctor's opinion is talking about the food, but my sponsors pointed out I'm a distinct entity when it comes to um, any of these behaviors that I get into. You know, um, gossiping, I can't afford gossiping. Maybe some people can gossip and be fine. Maybe some people can have justified anger. Maybe some people can lie and they get along fine. I'm distinct entity. Those things will drive me back. Why? It's because I become blocked from God. When I get blocked from God, I get blocked from you guys. I get blocked from myself. I have no other solution, and I have to eat. I have nothing else. That is my solution at that time. That's my only true solution, which is power. So I do this work every day to stay unblocked. So I have this power, this power that I need to learn how to do life. You know, I'm one of those people that says, a design for living and rough going. I don't want rough going. If we work this, God will match serenity with calamity. I don't want calamity. You know, my sponsor says, um, it's part of the human experience. This is life. Life gets lifey, right? I thought if I was working these steps, had a connection with God, it was going to be easier. No, nowhere does it say that. You know, this power is going to help me to, to do these lifey things, you know. Um, and, and I won't pick up food. I won't have to look for solution and ease and comfort and other things. And as long as I look for ease and comfort in food or in your opinion about me, which is a huge one, or in, in all these other behaviors, I'm not going to be seeking power, right? If I put anything else in that place of God, then I'm going to be blocked. That's been my experience today. So I've been having trouble at work with my um, getting back at work and feeling justified. So I had to get back out and rewrite my coworkers' ideals, right? And I have to pull them out every morning and I pray for uh, God to help me to show up different. How does God want me to be, you know, when I go to work? And I, and I have a list of behaviors that when I go there and people start gossiping and complaining, what do I want to do different when this starts happening? You know, change the subject, talk about their grandkids, talk about their pets, you know, excuse myself, go to the restroom, you know, stop, go, you know, because I can't always call somebody. Um, I'm in the medical field. And so, you know, I have a plan of action of how I'm going to show up at work, a plan of action, just like I have a food plan. And I say, God, help me to show up different. Now, let me tell you, I fall short with this a lot. I have to stop. Book. Sometimes I have to book in it and tell somebody I'm going into work. So these are things that I do to show up different, you know. <clears throat> I want to share one story with you. I've shared this on the line on the meeting, but it's been so profound. So, you know, um, one of the things it tells us that our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. And I didn't ever understand that word. To, well, okay, I didn't see it. I didn't probably didn't read it because I didn't want to about fit ourselves to be a maximum service. That means what does that person need from me? Not do what, what I want to do. I'll give service all day long if it's good for me, if it makes me feel good, if it's convenient, right? But what does that person need from me? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I mean, that's a, that's a tough one, right? But that's our real purpose. Didn't want that to be my real purpose, but apparently the book says it is. So, okay, going from that. So my um, – dad has dementia, right? And so my mom was going on this big trip and he can't be left alone. Well, okay, he was okay-ish and he was, and I live like three miles. And when the plan was originally made a couple months prior, she's like, you know, I'm gonna, I really like to go on this trip. She has this girl trip. 
with these women she's known since she was 10. And I'm like, of course, you know, I'll check on dad. In my mind, I'm like, I'll check on dad every day. I'll check on dad. Well, as it gets closer, you know, communication breakdown and she's expecting me to stay there. And I'm like, what the hell? Wait, what? Stay there? Um, sleep there? Really? Um, okay. Yeah, go, yeah, mom, go ahead. Yeah, and I'm like, oh my God. And then she tells me, you know, um, okay, well, okay, I just don't know if I, I should go. Why, mom? I don't know, your dad woke up at two o'clock in the morning. He's been on the edge of the bed. He's naked. And this is for me, for real, you guys. I'm like, wait, what? Two o'clock in the morning? Like, like my dad might wake up and he's going to be naked? That's going to be weird. Oh, my God. And I'm like, oh, my God. And so I'm like, I go, and I had to make two 10-step calls. I was, and I'm telling people, and then, you know, I'm just like, I can't believe my selfishness. I'm like, I'm freaking out. I'm supposed to go stay over there. I, you know, my, my dad, I mean, like, I don't want to see my dad naked. This is weird. And I'm like, and then, of course, I start crying. So I'm just scared. The fear is coming out. So this is why we do 10 steps. So I'm really scared about this whole situation, you know, and, 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 and just all of the selfishness, as was shared, you know, selfishness is the root. This stuff goes deep, I'm telling you guys, right? And so my, my sponsor says, Kelly, you just, you know, start asking God to change your heart. You know, ask God to change your heart and find acceptance. So I started doing that. You know, God, help me. I love my dad. That in itself is a whole other story. This is a man I blame for everything I've ever done growing up in a raging alcoholic home. I love my father today and have a relationship because of this program that I never had. This man needs me. And I started asking God, and God changed my heart. Like, it was so weird, you guys. I would say it's like a twilight thing because this God thing is so crazy. And I could tangibly feel my heart changing, right? And so I went over there, you know, with total acceptance and peace, right? So I'm there for a whole week with my dad. And it's so wonderful. And i got to tell you guys something. So I have to, you know, I gave him a shower, okay? Remember, I was like totally freaking about the whole naked thing. It didn't even matter. I'm giving my dad a shower. I'm bathing him. I'm cleaning him. We're talking. And I'm, and I'm helping him dry off. And he says to me, why are you being so nice to me? And, and he's just looking at me with this love. And I said, Dad, I love you. And he said, I'm sorry for all the times I've ever been mean to you. And I'm going to tell you guys, I not only found acceptance, I was going over there. I am so grateful. God changed my heart, and I got an experience that I will never. That time with giving my dad a shower was the most beautiful experience I think I've ever had. And that only comes from this work, you know, doing these 10 steps, taking my sponsor's suggestion, asking God to change my heart, showing up in spite of my fear, my selfishness. I showed up different. I had a new experience. I mean, like, that is a freaking trip, right? You know? And then another quick one I wanted to share is I am such a director and a controller. I just got to tell you, I've been married now to my wife for uh, 23 years. We've been together 25. So she's been through a lot with me and I'm such a control freak. And like, you know, she's got this job that's just stressing her out. I'm just really trying to help her, you guys. I'm just really trying to help her manage her time because she doesn't seem to know how to manage her time. And I see them taking advantage of her and I'm just telling her things she should say and things she should do. And this is all in this last year of recovery, right? And I'm just like, and I'm really resentful at how her work, you know, all these things. And she has a sit down, come to Jesus meeting with me about how 
her, her work's really stressful to her, but me, that I'm causing her so much stress. My wife, we've been together 23 years. She doesn't cry. She doesn't cry, and she's crying, telling me that how much I'm adding to her stress. And I'm listening to her thinking, but wait, I'm recovered. I'm, I mean, doesn't she see how much better I am? And I'm like, oh, my God, my actions are speaking so loud. She doesn't even know what my good intentions are, right? And so I had to start showing up different, but I started praying for God to change my heart. And this is another one that's like a tangible change of heart. Like, I don't even freaking care what she's doing anymore. It's not my job. It's not my job. I never thought, like, at first, it's like, you know, when you start getting absent, you're falling your food plan, you think you're going to die until the next meal, and you're not going to be okay, and are you sure this is enough food? And then the more you do it, you're like, okay, it gets a little bit more comfortable than precinct, you finally get some neutrality and peace around food. It's kind of like that. You know, I had to quit asking her things and quit saying things, and I had this, this was my part, and what could I do to show up different for her? Just keep my mouth shut, restrain a tongue and pen, and text, and email, and everything else involved, right? And then asking God to change my heart because I don't like the way that feels. And I cannot believe the peace I have today. And she's even made comments about it, which I've always joked. It's like, you know, I hear people like, my family's always telling me how much better I am in change. I'm like, um, my family hasn't told me that yet, you know? And it's just been just little subtle things that I just can't even tell you guys. But it's, you know, you've got to put the food down 100%. So if you're still playing with food, if you're being a little dishonest, there's no such thing, right? We're either honest or not. We're either pregnant or we're not. We're either telling the truth, and I'm going to be blocked from God, and power's not going to come in, and I'm not going to get the promises. Do I want these promises in the book, right? I got to be abstinent. I got to be honest. I got to live by spiritual principles, and I got to do the work every day, right? Every day. It's a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual condition? What am I doing every day to stay connected with God? Am I showing up different, right? The 12th step says, it's three parts. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, they got to do all 12 steps, right? Then you're going to carry the message to the still suffering compulsive eater and then carrying these principles in all our affairs. So that's three parts of step 12 that I have to live every day. And I do that by working these steps and staying connected with God. You know, again, I just have to say, you do the work. God will work on you. And that's been my experience. And I feel it. I never thought. I don't understand it. I still say this. I, I love this. I heard a speaker say this. I can't explain God. I can't explain God. But I'm experiencing God. Just like you can't explain the smell of a rose, right? But I will promise you this, that if you put this food down, and you start working this program, and you understand this is a way of life. It's a design for living. It doesn't say it's a program. We have a program of action so that we can have a design for living that works in rough going, right? And if you do that, I don't know that you can ever explain God, but you will experience God, and that's been my experience. And with that, I pass, Larry. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kelly. I'm I'm chuckling because of your just authentic, easy to follow ability to speak the language of the heart. No one's going to ever claim that you're not real. (laughs) That's for Mm -hmm. sure. So we so appreciate it, Kelly.
Um, and, and with that, so thank you with, with gratitude. Thank you so much. And with that, um, before we go into uh, time to ask uh, questions of Kelly, uh, let me give you the share ID for her uh, presentation this morning. And that's Kelly S, K-E-L-L-E-Y S from Oklahoma. The share ID number is 20,805. So that's 20805. And so with that, let's transition to a Q&A period. And um, what you're going to do, if you're new, is uh, you're going to press star 1 to unmute your phone. If you have a question, questions only, please, for Kelly. Uh, just give me your first name and last initial, and we'll we'll get started. Who has a question? Leon B. Hey, Leon. Rivka M. Rivka. Kristen R. Don. Uh, Krista R. I got, and who is behind Krista? Dawn K. Dawn K. Anybody else in this first go around? Don't be shy. Kelly bites, but it doesn't hurt for very long. Okay, let's start with a question from Joy Leon D. Joy, Joy the world. Hi, Joy. Okay, we got you. Hi there, Anybody thank else? You. Oh, you bet. Anybody else? Hi. Hi. Yeah, I have a question. If it's if there's time. Yeah. Who's that? Uh, my name is <clears throat> Frank. I'm a compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Okay, Frank. We'll we'll get you on the back end here. So let me give you the order. Let's let's stop there. And if you're okay. not Dr. Leon B, um, please mute your phone. Uh, so Leon, why don't you get us started? Good morning, my friend. Hey, Larry K. Um, Larry K. Hey, Larry. Very good to hear your voice <laughs> good morning. this morning. This is um, this is Leon from Simpsonville, South Carolina. Um, Kelly, I just um, you know I really appreciate your honesty. Um, I really feel like you were you were telling my story, um, especially around the the not wanting to tell folks that you are struggling and then the the dishonesty and and don't want to let your sponsors down and you're out sponsors down you're out on these speaker meetings and you're doing this and doing that i mean what what was it that that brought you to that point where you said it's time for me because i i know the pain of being dishonest and carrying that weight and i know how that weight was so released when I became honest. I mean, brutally gut honest. Did not care what people thought. But what what was that process like? Getting to that point where you knew that it's time for me to come clean, so I can really experience this program in a deeper way. And if you can just give a, a little bit more around your new experience with six and seven, that'd be great. Thanks. Thank you, Leon, for that question. Um, yeah, I just heard you share the other day, and and I related so much. I'm like, that's what I'm, you're. You have the same story of relapse, and I thought I'm so. I think I'm so totally unique because I do the same thing. You know, not wanting to let people down, and you know, it is so scary. You know how dark it is before the dawn, as it says. And you know, I just got 
so disconnected. It's like you don't even realize how dark it's getting until you can't see it all. And I mean, I know I talked about this, but you know, when I spent the, that whole day binging and purging, it was the scariest, scariest. And I know that our, the memory doesn't, you know, they say keep the memory green and, and that doesn't do it. But like, I saw the progression of my disease and I was hitting my knees literally and it was awful. And I'd like to say I was abstinent from that point. I wasn't. But, you know, I started to see um, and hearing that message. I think that that part just got me so that point of this disease is going to kill me. It doesn't care how long I've been abstinent. It doesn't care how many meetings I lead or moderate. It doesn't care how many sponsors I have. If I don't stay honest and real and authentic, I'm going to die. And it's going to take me down. No matter how much I know, no matter how long I've been around, you know, and, and it's just awful. And it felt so dark and so scary. And, you know, that I was willing at that time to just say, to tell everybody, you know, because I just, I had to quit caring because I just finally realized if I keep caring, I'm going to, I'm going to die. If I care what you think about me, I ran out of options. You know, I ran out of options. That's the truth. You know, my sponsor always says that. The disease is the great persuader. Nothing you tell me, nothing I read, nothing I hear, nothing I see, the disease. The disease is going to kick my ass and persuade me to do whatever I have to. And as always is, what we hear, it's about surrender. I have to be desperate, dying, doomed, and ready to surrender. And, and I so gratefully was with that. I passed. Thanks for the question. Yeah, thanks for the question, Leon. Okay, next up with the question, we have Rivka M. followed by Krista R. Good morning, Rivka. Hi, good morning. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I am Rivka M. from Baltimore, a compulsive overeater. Um, and, wow, this is an, an amazing um, share and so, so good to hear. There was so much in it. Um, that I can't go over everything because then I'll take up the whole time. Um, but I really, really appreciated it. Um, the one thing that I wanted to ask you on, um, I I loved how you were saying, and, and I live this way and believe this also, but that it's not even, you know, the program that helps us be, that gives us the recovery, and it's not the steps, and it's not, you know, my sponsor, that it's actually God. You know, that's that's where the recovery lives um and then um and then we live life um my question for you is um how do you how do you continue to use the program and use the steps and and have a sponsor while how do you you use that to help you continue to live life um staying with god i hope that's clear Yeah, it's really clear because, you know, I think about that when you're saying that, you know, the solution is God. We, you know, we hear that all the time, but um, I, I've never been religious. I've never, you know, been on top of God thing, but we've heard plenty of people that share they had a lot of God, <laughs> you know, they, they did. And that, that wasn't enough. Right. And so for whatever reason, you know, I say that, that as the addict, you know, as a, as a real compulsive eater, right. The book is, uh, written in we and has not been changed since it was written in 1938 because we have to, we have to do this together. So for whatever reason, as as a compulsive eater, as a real compulsive eater, I have to have a fellowship. I have to have these steps. But these are my 
um, you know, this is my map to higher power. So it's not just God, it's all of it. You know, it's all of these steps, right? And so I still, you know, every morning I, I do prayer and meditation. Um, I still commit to that because that's huge. You know, I did it first because I had to. Then I started to see how it helps, and now I love it. And so I start my morning with that 30 minutes of connection, right? I, I uh, commit my food every day. I weigh and measure send it to my sponsor. Um, I, I do have a sponsor. I am sponsored. Um, I'm, and I'm sponsored, and I do sponsor people. I take women through the work today, which has been huge because it says, you know, intensive work with others. When all else fails, they may, you know, Bill makes it clear, you know, when he's about to drink, he's depressed. You know, so I have to continue doing, you know, taking people through the work, not having people just check in. You know, I still commit to at least three phone calls a day. I'm just one of those people. I know that if I don't, tomorrow will be two days and one, you know, one call, then then no calls. And I'm always justifying I have to stay connected. You know, it talks about in there that, you know, a fellowship will grow uh, about is that we'll love and crave. And I'm like, I remember reading that going, oh, hell no, I'm not into kumbaya crap, right? But I love my friends in this program, you guys. I'm telling you, I've got some beautiful tech this morning before I even started because I kept telling people I'm so nervous I'm going to throw up. And so people were sending me some beautiful loving texts. I'm like, I love this fellowship. Never thought I'd say that because I'm way too cool. And so I, I make phone calls every day, right? And, um, and then, you know, I have uh, just, you know, every day I just work and, and live this program. I do 10 steps when I need to. I do a nightly review that I send to my sponsor every night and my I'm accountability partner that we connect with. And it's just become a way of life for me. You know, I don't really see it as a program. I mean, it is in a sense a program that supports this way of life for me, but it's made it clear in the book that we need all of this to stay connected to God. So these are how I get to God. These steps, these principles, you guys, the tools, all of it is how I stay connected to God. I have to do this work daily to keep this connection. I pass. Thanks for the question, Rivka. Okay, next up with a question, Krista R. followed by Don K. Krista, good morning. Good morning. This is Kristen R. in Virginia, grateful compulsive overeater. Um, Kelly, thank you for your share. I've heard you before on the lines and you've always carried such a message of hope for people who relapse and I'm just grateful that you were willing to do this this morning. My question is, what would you tell a sponsee that thinks herself to death? So, for example, I can't put that food down because I'm depressed and that stimulates serotonin in my brain. So I have to eat that food or I've given up so much. Why can't I just have the cream or my coffee? I mean, I am my own worst enemy. And I was just wondering how you would handle that with the sponsee. Thanks. Um, well, that's a really good question. So, like, um, you know, the answer to a lot of things to me, whether it's about the food, <clears throat> behaviors, whatever, it always comes down to how free do I want to be, right? How free do I want to be? And so am I willing? I mean, when my when I started working with my sponsor, she asked me to, um, would I be willing to give up some things that I hadn't been willing to give up? And I was like, okay, but here's the truth. I was willing, it tells us um, in the big book, there's two things. Do you want what we have? And are you willing to go to any length, right? Willing to go to any length, just putting those foods down, putting those substances down. Are you willing to do that? You know, if not, you know, the truth is they say, maybe you're not done because as long as we think 
this stuff is working, why would I give it up? You know, I have to be out of options, like I said. I have to be completely out of options. I mean, the overthinking thing, I have plenty of people, I do that too. I have a sponsee right now. I'm always telling her, quit thinking so much and just do the work. You know, quit thinking about it. Know where does it say? Into thinking, into feeling, it's into action. That's the title of the chapter. <clears throat> so quit making excuses. Do you want what we have? Are you willing to go to any length? And how free do you want to be? Right? And I pass. All right, let's let's move on to a question from Don K, followed by Joy B. Don, good morning to you. Hi, Kelly. Thank you so much for your share. This is Don K, also from Virginia. Um, just really, really powerful and just right on time for me. I um my question is also a sponsy question. Um with the beginning of um working with a sponsee. I'm asking for, you know, 48 hours of, um, you know, of abstinence. And um, and it's really hard because I, I understand how important the steps are to that person finding that abstinence, but my sense is that they need to, to get there first before we can get into the steps. So I guess I'm struggling with that as a sponsor. Um, how to convey that in a way that's that's firm and compassionate and um, that I can be consistent with that. Thank you. Well, um, you know, I don't know how you start with sponsees, but, you know, definitely going through the doctor's opinion, you know, if you have to go line by line, because it makes it clear, and I've underlined several times in there, um, that a, man, a man's brain must be, it's imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he, this work starts, right? I mean, and without the doctor's opinion, the rest of it doesn't make any sense because, you know, we have this physical allergy that we have to, um, we have to do something about. And so several times in doctor's opinion, it talks about the importance of this. And so that's where, you know, like for me, um, my sponsor and how I sponsor people is we go into this as an idea of, we're in hospitalization based out of the doctor's opinion, the whole idea. And so for that time period, every time I would do anything when I was first getting abstinent, I had to ask, tell myself, you're in the hospital. You're in the hospital. So it was, I mean, I've been in treatment before, so I know what that's like. And so, you know, I had to take it that serious. I mean, we, we've all put down food to be on a diet, right? So we can put down the food for short, short periods of time. It was keeping it down, which is the real problem. We can't keep, we always end up going back, right? So I think it's really important to stress that doctor's opinion, you know, that that's got to be done. And if they need to put themselves in a hospitalization, so to speak, period, where that's their priority, which means they, you know, they only have certain foods in their house. They don't go out to eat. They don't go do social activities because they're in the hospitals, like, you know, checking yourself in treatment, and which is what I had to do. Um, which is what I asked my sponsors to do. Um, and, you know, I was willing and desperate and dying enough to say, I'll do whatever I have to. Now, don't let me think that there's not a time that I have sponsors. I'm like, they're sending me texts or calls. And I'm like, um, excuse me, you're in the hospital, you know, <laughs> because we all are looking for uh, a way out. But, you know, again, how free do they want to be? They're going to have to put the food down. It's not going to be comfortable. People share that all the time. It just freaking sucks sometimes. And it's just going to hurt. And that's what we have. You can make a list. 
I'm, I've had sponsors make a list of things they could do <clears throat> when they're in that first period of things they could do. Of course, making phone calls. There's a, I mean, just a whole lot of things that they can make a list to do when they feel like eating until they can get through that uncomfortable part as they do the work. So with that, I pass. Thanks, Don. Okay, we have uh, Joy B. followed by Frank. Joy, what question do you have for Kelly this morning? Good morning, Kelly. I'm grateful more than anything else for your honesty that you shared your heart with us, and I need it so badly. I am at that brink. You would think intellectually I would understand what it means to have to stand up my 300 pounds on my broken knees to be in some ways imprisoned in a chair. I can't move around very much. And my daughter, my grown-up daughter, is not a chef. She doesn't cook at all. And down here we are. And I lie to myself. It's not about lying to other people. Of course I do. But I lie to myself, which is really scary. How did you, I have to put down the food. I am in a hospital. And yet daily I will get up in the morning and lie to myself. And by breakfast, I've already broken my commitment to myself. Joy, could you formulate a question for Kelly? How did you, um, what helped you put the food down? Well, I don't know if you are, thank you for the question. I don't know if you're working with somebody, if you have a sponsor, but I'm going to tell you again, there's a power in the we in having to call somebody. I spent a year lying to myself and didn't get anywhere except more and more and more into the disease. So if you're trying to be honest with yourself, good luck with that. If you're trying to work this program by yourself, good luck with that. You know, the truth is, it's like you're going to have to start reaching out and, and um, tell on yourself, tell on the disease. I mean, it wasn't until I was willing to reach out, call people, um, and tell people what was really going on that, that I started getting the help that I needed because a year of dishonesty, of lying to myself, thinking, I've got this, I'm okay, I'm fine, and it continues to progress. And for whatever reason, we're not meant to do this alone. You know, it's, it's me, it's my fellows, and God. And um, so it's going to be a struggle unless you start to reach out and ask for help. With that, I pass. Joy, thanks for being here, and thanks for the question. Okay, next up, and then we'll, we'll get some more uh, questions if we have time. Uh, we have Frank. Frank, press star one. Frank, we're not hearing you. If you want to press star one, if you have a question uh, for Kelly. Okay. Well, not hearing Frank. Um, we'll, we'll come back to them. Oh, Frank, is that you? Okay. Perhaps not. So what we're going to do is we're going to open it up to some more questions. So if you uh, have a question for Kelly, um, give me your first name and last initial. Here's who I heard. Let's, let's hold off for one second so I can at least get in who I heard so they don't come in again. So I heard Mary Julie Pete Lynn. Let's take one Nancy, more. Nancy L. Okay. 
So uh, just in the interest of time, if we have more time, um, we'll, we'll, we'll grab some more. And I do apologize if I missed you in the, in the jumble there. Um, so I heard Mary, Julie, Pete, Lynn, and Nancy. So let's start with a question from Mary. Mary, good morning. Hey, good morning, Larry. Thank you. Yes, this is Mary B., a grateful recovered food addict in San Jose, California. And Kelly, thank you so much. I could go through your whole story with you, but I'm going to go to the beginning of your share where you talked about how long you've been in program and how long you've been abstinent. Because tomorrow, I will celebrate 61 years in Overeaters Anonymous, and I have 18 years of back-to-back abstinence, 85-pound weight loss, and for which I thank God every day. Uh, And all those years before where I so identified with your story, that dishonesty about the food and trying to get away with a little and all of that. My question and my issue right now that I find um, happening with me, the people I sponsor, if they miss sharing, um, committing their food for a day or so, or don't call or don't text, and they call and don't say anything about the food, but have another mm, excuse, I get suspicious. I get very suspicious. And I I don't bring that up to them directly. I will ask them just, how are you doing? And um, I wonder if you have that experience with your sponsees and if you have a way, if you do, if you have a way of handling it. Thank you. Well, thank you for that question. Um, it's funny that that just kind of came up for me recently. Um, you know, one of the things that um, I have to be really careful about is um, not getting judgmental <laughs> when when my sponsors. I have a story of relapse, and man, when I see that happening with them, I'm like, well, they need to be doing what they're supposed to be doing, right? And so I've had to really pray about that a lot and ask God to, you know, soften my heart and and God's words be my words when I talk to these people. (laughs) But I have also learned that I have to really start um, being a little bit more confrontational because people are going to die in this disease. And this is, it's not about the food, but it is about the food. And, you know, so when I had a sponsee recently who sends me this ginormous long text, but I wasn't surprised about how she air quote, I'm doing air quotes, struggling with food. When I got on the phone with her, I said, I need you to define what that means. And she started saying, well, I mean, I haven't been binging, but I mean, I've been, I go, so you're not abstinent. You're not abstinent. What you're telling me is you're not abstinent, correct? And she said, yeah, you're right. Because I've done that same thing. And I think that that's a disservice to people. You know, if you're in any of the other 12-step programs, you're, you're, you're either sober or you're not. Well, I mean, you know, I wasn't drinking uh, vodka, but I only had a little beer. No, right? We're letting people die. I've, you know, I've been dying in this program, right? So I think that the food is a thing. I mean, the doctor's opinion, again, we have to put this food down. And so we can't let our sponsors just be, our sponsors be like, willy-nilly, well, you know, what's going on with your food, right? 
what's going on with your food. Because if you're not abstinent, no wonder all this other stuff's coming up. I mean, I get it. Life's going to be lifey. We're going to have things happen in abstinence. But if you're not abstinent, you know, the solution is putting the food down and this connection with God. And if I'm playing food in any way, I'm going to be blocked. So as a sponsor, I'm finding that I have a responsibility to have my, my sponsees be more accountable, to be accountable and to be honest, because I just share with them. I, I'm, I'm pretty confrontational about it now, but I also share with them. I'm telling you from my own experience that any dishonesty you have around this stuff is going to take you down. And it took me down. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Mary. Okay, next up is Julie, followed by Pete. Hi, Julie. Good morning. Hi, Julie R., Compulsive Overeaters. Oh, thank you, Kelly. Um, I've been blessed to be trudging this road with you for over 10 years. And, you know, to hear, uh, as you, uh, some of you know, I, um, I would have had four years coming up, and um, I'm on day five. So I think my question is, how did you get, you know, it's like I feel like I've let so many people down. Of course, my family, um, OA, my sponsees, uh, not able to moderate, etc. You know, what did you do to to be free of that? I don't know if it's ego, shame, like I should have known better, all that. So, you know, how did you process it a year plus ago? Thanks, and I'll pass. Thank you love you so much. Um, I'm going to tell you the truth. I mean, it's still an ongoing process for me. I mean, even as, you know, I get on this meeting today and share with you guys, like, you know, I just have a little over a year. So it's not like, oh, I'm, I'm free from that ego thing. I still struggle with that, right? Um, and it's still hard for me um, to accept and admit. And I just have to constantly lean into God with that, you know, and remind myself, you know, that. Um, my purpose is to fit myself to be of maximum service and to share with people. You know, they could say, keep, keep coming back. Well, I say, don't leave. You know, we hear that, don't leave. And it's like, you know, it is hard. My ego still wants to, um, to get up in there because, you know, think about that, that selfishness, self-centeredness, the root, that stuff goes deep, man. It goes so deep. And, you know, I'm just going to have to just, it's a struggle to be honest. I've said, it wasn't that I didn't want to live by spiritual principles. I just never had that as a goal, <laughs> you know? I mean, I've always lied when the truth would work is what my mom would tell me. And so it's still hard for me to be authentic and real. And that's what I share with people. I have to tell people to this day when people will call me, and they're like, how long have you been around? How, I mean, people ask you, how long have you been around? Oh, oh how long have you been abstinent? And I still like, sometimes I'm like, well, over a year, you know? And so it's still hard. I wish I could tell you, oh, I'm so humble. You know, I'm just so grateful. I am so freaking grateful. I am so freaking grateful. But I have to remind myself, even just with this talk, as my sponsor said, this is for the newcomer. This is for the relapser. This is to give somebody hope. So I don't share this because, oh, I have a year. I'm telling you, God drug me out of this because I was willing to turn to God. So God is turning me. And that's what we have to do to show people. It doesn't matter how many times that I've let my ego come in. And, and stop living by those principles and go back into the food, there's hope as long as I keep doing this work and get willing to be honest. And, I, and it's a struggle daily what people think about me. Every freaking day I struggle with that, you know? And that is why we're trudging, walking with purpose together and sharing this with each other. 
but I still have a hard time with it. But, you know, I, I want what these promises in this book have I, that it talks about. I want those promises. If that means I have to tell you guys the truth, then I guess that's what I'm going to do, whether it hurts or not. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Julie. Thanks, Julie. Okay, let's see if we can get through everybody. We got next up Pete followed by Lynn. Hey, Pete, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for taking the meeting. I appreciate your service. Kelly, thank you for your, for your talk. It, it had depth and weight, and I appreciate the references to the big book as well as the AA 12 and 12. And so my question is, the dictionary defines reco- the word recover as returning to normal. Could you share with us how you define it and give us some examples of what that looks like in your life today? Yeah, thanks for that um, question. So return to normal. What the hell is that, right? Um, You know, I just think, you know, uh, recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, um, that we recover from the physical allergy. So today, you know, I don't live with those awful, awful physical craving driving me, have to eat, can't function, can't think. So I feel like, you know, with the food down, that kind of thing is like I – I am normal around food, thanks to God, you know, um, I eat um, normal food, uh, you know, well, my food, I, and I feel free today. So that's a normal state. You know, most people, you know, average eater, they eat to, to live, as they say, they don't live to eat, right? And then with my, the mental obsession, recovered from the mental obsession, right? So I'm not driven anymore. I'm not driven to do those things that I did to have to go to the store you know, to hurry up and, and get away from people so that I can binge and purge. It's like I'm actually able to show up. To me, it's like that thing is I'm actually able to show up and do life and do all those things that, you know, that I need to do, you know, to, to get up and do prayer meditation. I'm able to live a dis- disciplined life. It's really weird because, like, all these things that I thought were just my lot, and I have found that actually a lot of normal people do. It's crazy. Like, how many times I read stories about people that, that get up early and start their day with meditation. And this is in 12-step programs, right? Um, people, you know, that, that um, weigh and measure their food and do food prep. I thought that was like a, a punishment of being a compulsive overeater. Yet I see all these people that are healthy that, that do food prep all the time. They're posting things on Instagram and Facebook about what they do so that they can take care of themselves. So I'm like, oh, wait, normal people do this kind of stuff? It's like I'm actually, you know, living life like a normal human being not driven by food, right? I'm actually having a disciplined, structured life. I'm accomplishing things. You know, I'm showing up for other people. I'm like, this is what people do? Like, I really had no idea. Like, I had no idea. Like, it's, I have a poem I don't even, uh, that I love, and it just talks about that, about the whole waxing and waning and ebbs and flows of life. I never knew that that's what life was, you know, because I've always spent my entire lifetime trying to change the way I feel by my addictions, my behaviors, everything. And so today, I'm learning to just go with life, go with life, and just continue to show up and be absent. And with that, I pass. Thanks for the question, Pete. Hey, thanks, Pete. Okay, Lynn, it's your turn, and we'll see if we get Nancy in there as well. Good morning, Lynn. Hi, good morning, Larry. Good morning, Kelly. Lynn S., compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. 
Kelly, I'm, I'm five months out of relapse now, and I was listening to you because you talked about your, your relapse, you know, and, and that's exactly what would happen to me. I'd stop doing things, and I'd say, oh, that's okay, you know, I'll, I'll get right back on. And I've just been wondering the last couple of days, like, how do I know? I'm working with a sponsor. I'm doing all the assignments. I'm making the calls and, and listening to the meetings and stuff. But how do I know I'm I'm doing it. I'm doing it enough so that I won't go back into relapse. I guess that's my question. I'm starting to wonder, you know, like I hope I'm doing this right or I hope I'm doing enough or how do you know, Kelly? I love that question, Lynn. Um, and I love you. And so I love that question because here's the thing that, I have to watch out for, and I tell my sponsees too. And and the thing is, I gotta get, I gotta quit, quit getting so wrapped up in doing, 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 doing. You know, I always think if I do this, if I do that, if I do, you know, and I'm still chasing this effect, right? And I'm looking for this way that I'm gonna feel different and know these things. And it's like, you know, it really is starting to do that thing of looking at my life, looking at my relationships. You know, um, you know, looking at how am I showing up different? How am I feeling during the day when these things crop up? You know, am I seeing I'm having a lot of resentment? Am I living in a lot of fear? It's not so much about what am I doing is, you know, they say it's like, you know, um, I, I tell my, my sponsors this. The steps are here, right, for this change, right? So we're not just doing the steps. We need to be experiencing these steps. These steps need to be falling into our heart. Is that happening? Am I, am I experiencing this, right? Not just doing it. And it's like, um, I've spent that time, so much of my life, going through so many meetings, doing so much work. And, and that stuff's helpful. But in the big, big scheme of things, then if I'm, once I'm closing the book and I'm getting off the meetings, how am I showing up? How are my, how are my relationships in my family, my, my coworkers, my my life with the with the shopping clerk, you know, at the store, the the customer service person that's pissing me off on the phone, right? So it's like, am I is the, am I experiencing and living these principles, not just doing all the time? I'm a good doer. Just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. But to experience and be and show up different, that's hard. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Lynn. Okay, with our final question this morning as we're wrapping up, we have Nancy. Good morning, Nancy. Good morning, and thank you. Good morning, Nancy. Recovered in Arizona, and thank you so much, Kelly. I loved what you said. This life, this way of life is not a punishment because I'm a compulsive overeater. It's the best thing that has ever, ever happened to me. And my question is, uh, during your year, the that difficult year that you had, were you talking to your sponsor? And how often do you talk to your sponsor now? Thank you. So thank you for the question. Um, and yes, I was. it was a different sponsor. And I was talking to my sponsor. And that's, that's what's so crazy, you guys. Like, I talked to her every single day at that time. You know, I was, I was calling her every day. And, but you got to understand, I was okay. I had it. I'm okay. I've got this, right? And that's what's so crazy to me, how we can, I convinced myself of the lies, you know? And so 
you know, I was sending her my food plan every day and we talked every day and I was not being honest with her about any of it. Um, but I was checking that off the list because I would call my sponsor every day. I'm sending my food plan every day. I had two sponsees checking in every day. You know, I was check, 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 check. And, um, and today, you know, uh, I have a sponsor. It's a different sponsor. And um, I try to connect with her at least weekly. And um, I do send her my food every day. I send her my nightly review. But I had to remember that the power is not in my sponsor. So when I think to myself, oh, my God, but I have to talk to sponsor every day. I mean, I did talk to her uh, daily as I was going through the work. But if I am so dependent on I need to talk to my sponsor or I'm not going to be okay, then I've lost that um, I don't have that connection that I'm supposed to be seeking, right? My sponsor is just holding the light, holding my hand as I get to this connection with God, right? That's what, that's what a sponsor is. It's not my higher power. And so, you know, that was the thing I'd always thought. And I hear people say that. It's like, I just don't know if I could do it if I didn't call my sponsor every day. Well, where's your power? Where's your power? You know, and I still have to remind myself of that because sometimes I'm saying, I text her. I'm like, I just really need to talk. I need a fix. Okay going to say that out loud sometimes that happens <laughs> so but you know what I have to get my fix from God today and uh, so yeah with that I pass thanks for the question thanks so much Nancy and and that's a wrap uh this morning and um and Kelly just a lot of wisdom and a, and a lot of um just a, a great contribution for the archives uh uh, on the Vision for You site. So thank you so much for, for your time this morning, Kelly. And I'm going to give the um, the share ID uh, number again for Kelly's presentation. That's 20,805. That's 20805. And please uh, hang out for just a little while longer because after uh, the recordings uh, stopped, we'll ask Kelly for her contact information so you can reach out to her if you care to do that. So we're going to close uh, by a reading from uh, page 164 in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'll read that now. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and for countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until